Hey, it's Caitlin. Hey, it's Abigail. Welcome Welcome to to The Gutsy Gutsy Truth. We're here to break down barriers of what's considered normal in health, wellness, relationships, and work. We're so excited that you're here with us. Let's dive in. Welcome to episode two. What? It's here. It's here. I'm so excited because we have swapped roles this time. Mm -hmm. It is your turn in the hot seat, and I'm so excited to interview my best friend, Abigail. Yay! And have her share her story with you, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I'm just really thankful to be here and look forward to to hearing more about your story. Obviously, I know a lot, but yeah, I'm just excited for this time together. Yeah. Okay. So tell me your story. I'd love to. Um... So my story um, really starts with having a child, I would say, is kind of where it starts. So my little daughter was born um, August of 2018, and, um, you know, definitely in the right way changes your whole world in a lot of ways, right? Adding a human being to your life. (laughs) Um, And, you know, fairly normal pregnancy, normal everything, and then I would say three to six months postpartum, as I just noticed my whole, everything felt different about me. And I know it's in some ways, yes, it's supposed to, right? Because you just birthed a human being and your life changes in a lot of fun ways. But there's a lot of ways I was like, I just don't feel right. I couldn't pinpoint what right meant. Um, I couldn't pinpoint so quote unquote, the symptoms, so to speak. I just knew I felt so much different than I did pre-pregnancy. And, you know, society has normalized, oh, you've had a baby. Yeah, you're different. And it's a blanket term. And so I think you end up applying that in a lot of different ways. And mm-hmm. and you don't realize that you're applying it to some so many things that you're not supposed to feel that way yeah. <laughs> after having a child. Um, and so I trudged, trudged along um, for a few months and realized that, you know, I was like, okay, well, yeah, things are just different. I had a baby. Your body changes. That's just what it is. Um, and honestly, I think a big catalyst to a lot of things and me really opening up my eyes and what was different was you, Caitlin. Um, because at the same time you were going through your beginnings of your seasons of infertility and you kind of approached me one day and really told me your story. The first I'd known about it in depth, I would say. And Mm -hmm. then you were like, Hey, I've discovered these resources about diet and nutrition and environmental toxins and household products and things that all contribute to you know, disruptors of life on your endocrine system and your hormones and everything. Mm -hmm. And then I was just, you know, I was like, so fascinated. I was like, oh, this is cool. I mean, I felt like I had a pretty good knowledge of what it meant to be a healthy person. Um, You know, eat your fruits and vegetables and drink your water, but there's a whole other level to that. Um, And so I kind of really dove in with you and alongside you into a lot of that information and those resources and slowly uncovering that so many of the things I was feeling were not normal. Um, and you know, before I kind of go into that in more detail, um, I'll backtrack a little part of my life. So, um, I grew up showing horses my whole life, kind of a different thing that the most people do. Um, and so just like you, Caitlin, I defined myself as the horse person. I was the only one in my family that did it. I kind of stumbled upon it when I was a kid at like summer camp. We know there's horseback riding and what kid doesn't love horses, but Mm -hmm. I took it and ran with it and it became literally everything I did from when I was like eight years old till when I graduated college. Um, and there's a lot about having horses that, you know, definitely give you, um, really good life skills, responsibility and problem solving skills. Um, you know, if you've ever owned an animal or had a small child, you know, 
they get sick or have issues. And of course they're nonverbal because they're animals or tiny children. Mm-hmm. And so you have to figure things out. Um, and then you add, you know, you're trying to be competitive, but then you also are maneuvering a 1200 pound animal that has its own brain. Right. <laughs> it gets a little complicated sometimes, <laughs> but there's a lot of that horse, st- my, the horse piece of my life that I really just kind of got a lot of grit and determination to push through things. And yeah. that's kind of how, how I approached life in general. And I learned that through that. Not saying that's terribly bad by any means, but it's also, you don't need to do that all the time in life. Right. You don't need to grin and bear it and just move forward all the time either. And, um, and so that piece of my life, like I said, was a huge chunk of it. And, um, even through college. And then I applied a lot of that through all aspects of my life. So of course I applied it to, you know, being pregnant and becoming a mom and, and everything that entails. And I realized as I started discovering more information about postpartum and feeling different, I was like, okay, this is not normal. This is not right. And now I want to go back to feeling how I did pre-pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And that journey led me down a lot of different rabbit holes. Let me tell you, <laughs> um, so many rabbit holes. And, um, funny enough, I actually had a fantastic resource in my back pocket that I didn't even realize was my own sister-in-law. Um, and we'll probably have her on the podcast at some point and chat about it, but she really helped open my eyes to more of a functional health, holistic approach to healing, especially on the hormone balancing side of life, which is not talked about as often as we would hope. Um, and so I made some changes through diet, um, through lifestyle changes. Um, I got off the pill almost a year ago now. Um, and that was a huge shift in so much of me, um, and how I felt. And I think my sister-in-law was one of the first people that talked to me that I really, she was like, you know, I described all of my symptoms and she said, number one, you are not crazy. And I just was like, until she said that, I didn't even realize that I was thinking that about myself, honestly. Um, and I was like, okay. At first, when she said that you're not crazy, I was like, aha, yeah, whatever. Okay, fine. Thanks. She goes, no, 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 you're not crazy. What you're feeling is very valid because these things, change slowly over time and, and how you feel and and what your body is doing. Um, it's very, very small changes over long periods of time. And so all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, who am I? And that's how I felt probably about a year postpartum. It was around my daughter's first birthday. I remember really feeling, I was like, who am I? What am I doing? My anxiety was through the roof and I'd never really dealt with anxiety pre this, um, moment of my life. Um, my gut was a wreck. I mean, I, I didn't know what would trigger having, you know, upset stomach issues or not. Um, I didn't sleep very well. Um, you know, just everything felt challenging. I felt like every day was an uphill battle. Um, I know, you know, I've talked about this like fatigue and we just normalized fatigue so much. And I was right. like, oh yeah, I have a baby. You don't sleep much. Okay. Caveat is my daughter was sleeping 10 to 12 hours a night. I should have been sleeping plenty, but right. I was still exhausted all the time. And, um, so I really started diving into more of what that meant for me. And it took a while to kind of really fully understand it because of what society had deemed so normal for so long. And, um, and it was, and it was a lot too, as far as like my husband, and I figuring out what we wanted and what worked best for us. You know, um, I'm not saying all birth control is bad. All, let me um, rephrase that not all hormonal birth control is bad, but there's other non-hormonal birth control options that work just as effective. In fact, even more effective. And 
And so I remember discovering those and, and having conversations as with different health practitioners and re- reading more and figuring out what was going to be best for me and my family and our journey. And I do remember probably being off the pill for a few months, this fog lifted that I didn't even know was there. Yeah. Um, this this emotional roller coaster fog, this general brain fog, this fatigue fog, and all this stuff. And it was empowering and lightning and very frustrating all at the same time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was just like, oh my gosh, I feel better. And then I was like, why has no one ever talked to me about this before? And now my daughter is nearly four years old. And like I said, this a lot of this of my journey just happened in the past year-ish, um, really like mid-2021. And so, you know, here I am with an almost four-year-old and I'm just now discovering this. And I've talked to millions of women. I feel like that their kids are teenagers or older or grown with their own children. And they're just now learning this information too. Um, and this journey really has, I guess, opened my eyes to discovering what works, A, best for your body, because every body is different. Mm-hmm. Um, B, that... Hormones are a real thing <laughs> yeah, and should be talked about way more often in a normal term. Um, I think for so long and even as young women, people are, you know, talking about hormones is kind of a, a no, no, you know, you know, like it's, you don't want to talk about it. Oh, they're moody because they have hormones or whatever. And sure. it's like, okay, this is a real thing. This yeah. is just what we have. But if your hormones are balanced, then you're not moody. You're not all over the place. But so many women's are not. And I was in that in that field yeah. for sure. And I think as a caregiver, whether you're a mom or not, I mm-hmm. think you people tend to put others others' needs before their own. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I would say that's probably true for most mothers. Yeah. And so it's I can understand the idea of like, oh, just normalizing something mm-hmm. that shouldn't, because at the end of the day you're you're trying to take care of the kid and do your job and take care of the house and all the other responsibilities Mm -hmm. that, you know, are on a a working mom's plate. Oh yes. I mean, absolutely. I definitely would, I put myself last, you know, between my job, my family, my job, household duties and all that. And then, um, I guess it was about, um, spring of 2021, I started seeing a counselor, um, cause my anxiety was pretty high. Obviously 2020 was a challenging year for the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, so to speak for me and my journey. And I just remember my counselor telling me that I, what I was experiencing was my own version of trauma. Mm-hmm. That was very empowering to hear it that way because, I had a pretty normal childhood, pretty normal teenager life. You know, I had honestly not experienced what in my brain was considered, quote, trauma, which I figured was had to be very, a very hard thing, you know, that someone went through. But between having a child, figuring out life as a working mother, and then COVID hitting all within a couple of years, um, that was traumatic for me in my, in my world. And that was an extremely powerful moment for me to know that, it was okay that I felt this way. And yeah. it, cause I remember describing everything to her one of my first sessions with her and she's like, yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. And in my brain, I was like, oh, but so many people have this so much, have life so much worse than me. So then, no, this is not a lot. I've got to just grin and bear it and I'm going to get through this. Right. And that's the equestrian side coming out of you. Just right. Pushing through. Pushing and through. Trying to be the, being the winner and yep. all that. Yeah. yeah. No. And in my brain, I was like, no, this is, people have like, there's way worse things happening in the world right now that right. really matter. And she goes, no, 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 this is this is your journey and this is okay. 
and that was a huge breaking point for me too. And, and starting my counseling with her. And that was very eye-opening. the fact that, okay, I, it took me a while to own that and to be okay with it. Cause I felt, I kind of felt, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. Um, I downplayed my own journey because I didn't think it was quote unquote traumatic enough to be that, to be worthy of needing help. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but trauma comes in a million forms. Um, and so it was, that part was very empowering and that really helped uh, spearhead a lot of my healing. Um, obviously my mental healing, number one, but that along with a lot of my diet and lifestyle changes I was making really turned a corner for me. Um, And not only did it help me as an individual feel better, then I became a better wife and a better mom because I could be more present Mm -hmm. and I wasn't so worried about the next day or the schedule of the week or who's getting the kid when and where and all this kind of stuff. Right. And it was, I could be Abigail again. And that was actually one of my pieces of homework from my counselors. I had to find, I had to literally schedule time in my, in my life just to be Abigail to not be the mom, not be the wife, not be professional Abigail, but just Abigail. So if that meant I had a few hours one afternoon just to go running errands by myself and I could do what I want, you know, just kind of have me time. Or if that was a weekend away with friends or family or my husband even. And it was, so I had to like remove all of the responsibilities and that's hard. And that's something I've definitely learned from so many women is that women have a terrible time doing that because Mm -hmm. we're such caregivers to our core, we put ourselves last all the time. And that was, and you know, so the guilt of that was also a thing I had to, to battle through of, I felt very guilty for trying to have me time, even if that meant like, I mean, sometimes I would just like sit on the front porch by myself after the kid had gone to bed and the husband was watching TV. I'm like, I'm just going to sit on the front porch and be here for 30 minutes by myself doing nothing but listening to the birds and the insects outside or whatever, you know, like, And, and so now I realize for me, that is a huge piece of what I need to do to help me stay sane for lack of a better term is I have to have me time. Right. Um, and I think everyone does, and this doesn't just apply to mothers by any means. This applies to every person in the world. You have to have yourself time. I mean, self-care is extremely important. Um, so yeah, this journey, I, you know, really, like I said, started with postpartum and in the past but, you know, postpartum in a, in a little bit of a delayed sense, it wasn't immediate postpartum. It was three years postpartum, you know, that I really, you know, started learning more. And I even remember a couple, like a few months after having Winona and getting back on, um, who's my daughter, by the way, I haven't mentioned that Winona is my daughter, but, um, even getting back on, you know, the, the pill and birth control and stuff. And I just remember talking to my doctor, I was like, this isn't, I don't, this doesn't feel right. And I was having very strange symptoms like extreme hair loss, like extremely dry skin, um, just some other different things. And they were like, Oh, it's, you know, you've had a baby now. You're just, your body's just different. And this is just what it is. And I, and like I said, with my kind of my gritty background at first, I was like, okay, this is what it is. And then I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, this is not, no, this is not normal at all. And I was over it and I was frustrated and I knew there'd be a better way. And it's so funny because all of that was happening. Like I mentioned at the same time, you came to me and said, look at what I've just found. Mm-hmm. I have found a new way of life that we can be happier and healthier and more wholesome in all ways, shapes and forms. And so that was the point I say, I turned my grit into resilience and the resilience of I'm going to make this better for myself because I want to feel better and make this better for my marriage 
because I want to be the best version of myself for my husband. And then I want to be better for my daughter and set, you know, kind of a new foundation of what it, for her and her upbringing. If Mm -hmm. I can, knowing what I know now, and then if I can help apply that to her, even as an almost four-year-old, that can just set her up leaps and bounds of being a happier, healthier version of her entire life. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know at some point she's going to grow up and make her own decisions, but right now I can control if she eats her vegetables or not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so it's, it's been an interesting journey in the fact that I, there wasn't a specific sign or symptom or diagnosis per se for me. Mm -hmm. It was this buildup and accumulation of a million things over a long period of time that all of a sudden I got to this point of why am I not feeling right? And I kind of talked to my doctor and she was like, oh, you know, whatever. Um, And again, she like, kind of like your story, she looked at me, she's like, well, you work out and you eat pretty healthy. Like you're in shape and you have a good, you know, you're not overweight and you don't have, you know, autoimmune diseases. You don't have diabetes. You don't have a high blood pressure. None of that kind of stuff. Right. And she's just like, yeah, it's just what, what it means to have a kid. And I was like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> like, I love my child, but why do I have to feel this way now? Right. Um, and it's been a fascinating journey in the sense of the mental health, a part of having a child is I think mental health awareness has come leaps and bounds in the past 10, 15 years. It still has a very long way to go in my personal opinion, but there's a very specific niche of postpartum mental health awareness that I feel like needs to be talked about even more than it is. Um, And that's something I really want to help pave the path for and and talk about my journey. Because I would say a lot of my journey, I wasn't officially diagnosed with postpartum depression or anxiety or anything, but my anxiety did drastically increase after having a child. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, yeah, I did not, like I said, get an official diagnosis by any means, but that doesn't mean I didn't still struggle with it. And it was a part of my life and a part I still have to work on today even. Um, and that's okay because I now have tools. Um, and that's why there's professionals out there. That's why there's counselors and therapists because they give you the tools to work through those thoughts and those feelings. Right. Um, and so it's been interesting, so to speak. And of course, along with your, your journey and my journey, I think collided at the appropriate time for us to, because God works miracles, um, for us to go on these journeys a together. So we had, we had a friend together. I mean, we were friends before this and then we became like really good friends after this (laughs) because we could go on this journey together. And it was something that in our own ways, we both were willing to try anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I kind of giggle right now because like sometimes my, like growing up, um, my mom always kind of had this saying, like if you were sick or whatever and you, we couldn't figure out what was going on, my mom would be like, I don't care what I have to do. Even I have to hang a dead chicken around my neck and do a voodoo dance. I'm in this to make myself better. <laughs> and so I giggle. Cause when I'm like, when I say I, w- I would try anything, then that's like the picture in my brain. I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but like, seriously, when you get to a point where you're just frustrated and you want any answer, you're literally willing to try anything. Right. And so it was really fun in a sense, um, to go on this journey together. Cause like you went gluten-free dairy free. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it because I need to figure out what's causing all this gut dysbiosis mm-hmm. and so many other things. And then you just figure out what's, what works and doesn't work for your body. Right. Um, and so that's been really fascinating to see how that has evolved. Right. And I think the beautiful thing with this is that you've become your own health advocate. Yeah. 
for your mental health, your wellness, all of that. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've pushed back and asked questions. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the normal thing for a lot of people is just to mm-hmm. accept what they hear right. um, and not do anything with it. Um, right. And I think that's a really important thing to do is to push back, ask the right questions right. and fight for yourself along your, your own mm-hmm. journey so that you can get answers and you can get mm-hmm. things fixed. And I think it's, it can be difficult to know what questions to ask. Oh, it can be difficult to know how to verbalize what you're feeling, mm-hmm. both physically and mentally, emotionally. Mm-hmm. I think it's can be difficult to pinpoint the language right. to communicate that to your, your, your doctors and yeah. your counselor and things like that. Um, and I think it takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really proud of you for all the work that you put into <laughs> getting to getting yourself to where you are. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, we, we want to be able to live our lives Oh yeah. and not let all these other things get in the way from enjoying it. And I right. like, I think the grind of mm-hmm. work and life and meal prepping and working <laughs> out and all that, it can just seem so overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. And when you have that, like that fog that you talked about, like mm-hmm. on top of all that, it can just make it even harder. Yes. Yeah. And then you just, it gets you into this state of negativity and that's definitely where I was. Oh, and yeah. that was something, it was affecting every part of my life. And it was my husband who came to me right shortly before I started seeing a counselor and he's just like, every day it's like the world is working against you is kind of how I was viewing life. And he was so accurate. And so I'd been so negative for so long and I didn't even realize it. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, there's so much more to life. It's really not that negative. Mm -hmm. And at the moment when I remember that conversation, I was like, well, I don't know what you're talking about because all these things are just terrible. (laughs) Um, But then I, I, I stood on that for a few days and I was like, you know what? He's right. It was like a very eye opener moment. And that's when I reached out to get some counseling and, and that was definitely a big piece of the work I had to do with my anxiety was realize that, you know, their life wasn't so negative. Mm-hmm. What I was perceiving as negative was really not at all. Um, you know, and so it just, again, I w- was given the tools with my counseling to shift my mindset right. on even just everyday things. Um, just the normal wake up, get the kid to day- daycare and go to school or go to work kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so mindset's a big thing. I like, I love how you said, yeah, I, be, I had to become my own advocate because it's so funny even thinking back. I didn't have necessarily had any bad experiences with any doctors in my life um, by any means, but even when I was pregnant and going to my normal appointments, I had to have my husband there. So my husband um, is a firefighter and a paramedic, so he's got some medical knowledge, mm-hmm. right? He at least understands medical lingo way better than I do. And so I remember I wanted him there because I loved my, my OB, but she was very scientific. And I loved that. in the fact that I knew like, if she didn't have much to say to me, I knew everything was good because she was so sciencey that that's how she viewed it to some degree. And so I was very comfortable with that. I guess for me, when there's an issue of life in any way, shape or form, I want to go right to the facts Mm -hmm. because otherwise I make up really bad stories in my head about what could or couldn't be. And so if I just know straight facts, then I'm comfortable, then everything is easy for me. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I liked her, but at the same time I couldn't understand her. So that's <laughs> yeah, <time>. it's fair. <laughs> and so I brought my husband along. Obviously, I wanted him to be there for like appointments because it's our child. But he was my sounding board. And so I remember we almost every appointment I would go in with a list of questions. I'd have him on my notes app on my phone, and you know she would check on me and do all the different things. And then she's like, "Do you have any questions?" I would just sit there. I'm like, "Nope, all is good." And my husband's like, 
baloney. Yes, you do. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah. But I'd get so nervous of asking because yeah. I felt like my questions might be dumb or whatever. And then finally that first couple of times I would ask questions and she was like, none of these questions are dumb. She's like, you don't know this. You've never had a child. You don't study medicine. You don't do, you know, like I had no child medical background. Right. Right. So yeah, you don't know. And you, questions are normal, but, and so I, that, I think that's a thing too. Like we have to overcome as a society of doctors are, yes, they're trained. They have this medical knowledge, but their, their thoughts and opinions aren't end all be all because it's okay for you to ask a question, even just to get clarification on something. Right. right? Or like, Hey, what is exactly does that term mean? You know, can you <laughs> explain that a little more in like kindergarten terms to me? Cause I don't understand the medical terms. Um, and that was a big piece of, of a journey too. I had to, I had to go on. And I think that really started for me when I was pregnant. And so by the time I got to actually having my child and, and delivery, of course, so many moving parts are happening during delivery. And so that was, I mean, I had, I had to have my husband there obviously, but there was a lot, I was just like, I need you to, I mean, cause I don't, I couldn't understand half the drugs they were talking about, what they meant. And he had enough knowledge. He knew the information. And so right. he was my advocate at the time. Um, cause you don't think very logically during labor and delivery. <laughs> so, um, you need someone to help be your advocate. And then it, it just definitely taught me that I had to be my own advocate. And I have learned that even more so now mm-hmm. to where now I have to watch myself. Cause sometimes I'm ready to go into a doctor's appointment, like firing back, like hardcore. <laughs> sure. And I'm like, okay, I don't like got to tone it down. It's just a conversation. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely taught me a lot, a lot about a lot of things. But the biggest thing is just trusting in yourself that when something doesn't feel right, that's a sign. Your body is meant to heal itself. Mm -hmm. Your body wants to be whole and it's giving you symptoms and signals that society has normalized about everything, everything. I, I mean, we can go into a million topics on this podcast about that, but your body is giving you signs and symptoms and signals that something is not right. Something is off and it needs to be addressed. But because we as society are like, oh yeah, I'm tired, but who isn't tired, right? That's what we all think. We're like, oh yeah, the world's tired. Duh. That's how the world operates. Well, no, being fatigued every single day, even after sleeping seven or eight hours a night, that's not right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think there's something out there that we've seen that it says just because something's common doesn't mean it's normal. Exactly. And I think that like pinpoints it perfectly in the sense of there are so many things that are common, fatigue Mm -hmm. and, um, um, anxiety and mm-hmm. depression, like all those things are common, but they shouldn't be the norm. Norm, Right. And I'm glad they're talked about now, but mm-hmm. let's, how can we, how can we shift that? Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely been a journey of awareness. I think number one, mm-hmm. um, I think to knowing that, like I said, um, just a minute ago, your, your thoughts matter in all aspects. So if you think something's not right, like how you feel, that's, you're probably pretty accurate. You're onto something. But I think you also, you had the guts mm-hmm. to like, to push back and ask mm-hmm. questions yeah. and, and transform into that advocate and mm-hmm. to get to the truth and all that as well. Um, and I think that takes courage. Yeah. And I think that takes, you know, your guts to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just a really important thing to mention through this journey of your story and my story too is, you know, I I want everyone to have the guts to stand up for themselves in their own story and their own life. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So what else about your story? Is there any other things you want to share? 
Um, you know, it like going back, every person's journey is different. Mm-hmm. So what you hear from Caitlin's story or my story, you know, I think our, our purpose is to just open up your mind to that. There is a different way of living and feeling better and whatever that means for you and what you're going through. And I think even, you know, um, in the sense that like your journey, you know, you had a specific diagnosis of something and you were on that journey to figure out then how you could walk through that season of your life. And my journey was this slow buildup of weirdness, I guess I could call it. Cause it was like, so today I feel a little strange, but I couldn't pinpoint things. Right. I mean, my husband called me the person who was always sick, but doesn't know with what, (laughs) cause for years I'd be like, today I just feel off. And he's like, well, what does that mean? I was like, well, I don't know. Cause I wouldn't have a concrete symptom. Yeah. So then my head, I was like, well, you're not really sick, Abigail. You're fine. Just keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Um, but all those little things add up and unfortunately something then bigger will happen, a breaking point of some sort. So either then an actual diagnosis comes about or, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a mental health breakdown of some sort or something more. And Mm -hmm. I was kind of all those combined to a degree is what, what kind of um, pinpointed it for me that I then needed to look at things differently. Yeah. So what is a piece of device that you would share to someone that might be in a similar situation. Um, I'm just going to have to reiterate your thoughts matter. Um, not only of like what you think might be going on feels weird. You just need to start asking questions. Um, and then in the sense of your thoughts matter of how you've, how you perceive life in the sense of, um, so my sister-in-law had a, has a wonderful analogy when she talks about stress and mm-hmm. how that affects your body. So thoughts can, can, um, have the same reaction on your body in a form of a stress response as if you were being chased by a bear. Mm-hmm. Cause your brain does not know that your stressful thought is not a bear chasing you. Mm-hmm. So it produces the same cortisol response, flight and fight response and everything of that nature as Lily, you were being chased by a wild beast. Like people were way back in the day and they needed that to like survive. Yeah. Right. And so if you're constantly thinking things that produce that result in your body. Well, no wonder why you're just breaking down all the time. You know, your body's like tapped out on stress. And that was a big thing for me. That was my thoughts were so negative and so stressful all the time. I mean, just even like going to the grocery store at some point was so overwhelming for me or even thinking about ordering curbside pickup because it's like I had to go through the pantry, what was missing and Mm -hmm. make the list and do the thing and do this. And Like if that's that stressful, that's, I feel like that's a sign that maybe we need to take a step back and look at the whole picture. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I reiterate that again. Your thoughts matter. I love that. (laughs) I think people sometimes need that validation. They need that encouragement and Mm -hmm. support. Um, and to realize that what's going on in their head is, 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 is true. It's, it's okay. And it's right. And let's figure out what we can do. Yeah. You're not crazy. I love that. (laughs) Um, so another thing I want to ask is, Mm -hmm. So with all this and kind of finding this gutsier version of Abigail, Mm -hmm. what is something gutsy you have done recently? Why did you do it? And how did you feel when you did it? Oh my gosh. So I knew you were going to ask me this question. (laughs) Um, Caveat, we have these questions lined out already, but I'm still struggling with the answer on this one. Um, Man, it's, this is a really great question. That's why I, I asked. It. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Why do we come up with good questions for ourselves? But um, I think I would say something I've done lately that's been gutsy is 
I've talked to more random people about the gutsy truth than Mm -hmm. I think I probably would have. I think there's a big piece of me that kind of how I viewed my life is I probably wanted to do it first and prove people we could before I actually publicized it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and I've, I mean, if I, every chance I have to talk about it, I do. Um, and it's been so fascinating to see the reactions of people, um, you know, and what they think. And, and then all of a sudden these stories just start coming out of them. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I need to make sure I have your cell phone number so I can call you later so we can interview you. Yeah. But it's been um, very eye-opening in the sense that I really, when we first kind of came up with this whole idea, my thought was, you know, I'm going to keep, we're going to keep this on the down low. We're going to do all this cool stuff and then bam, just like blast it out and prove everybody that we've got this awesome stuff. And then it's like, you know what? That's not the right approach for this because mm-hmm. the approach is we're inviting people into these conversations to share their stories. And so we have to even do that in just everyday chatting with people. Yeah. And so I've done that way more, like I said, with very random people, not just family and friends, but I was at a conference a few weeks ago and I told like five people about it and they were just like, that's way cool. Like I'm going to join and follow along and stuff. So that's been, um, something a little gutsy I've done that I didn't expect myself to do. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. So the other question I want to ask is because I feel like a huge part of being able to have the fuel to be gutsier is doing things for yourself to mm-hmm. fill your bucket. Um, it's a term that I, I love that analogy of like, you need to fill your bucket before you can pour into other people. Yep. And so I want to know how you've been filling your bucket recently. I bought a guitar. <gasps> yes, you did. Yes, I did. <laughs> um, yeah, so my dad's family is very musical in their background. Um, I did not do opera to your level or at <laughs> all, but I did sing through high school and middle school and stuff. Um, but yeah, about a year or so ago, my husband was like randomly like, I really want to learn how to play the guitar. And I was like, all right, go ahead, buddy. And so he did and like did it really well. And so then after about a year of him playing, I was like, well, I want to learn how to play. Yeah. So about six months ago, I picked it up. And I've really enjoyed it. Um, it's one of those self-care me time things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I totally understand about people talking about like if they live with a musician because you can easily get lost in for like three hours just like learning and playing and figuring things out. So yeah, like two weeks ago, my husband bought me a guitar as my Mother's Day, birthday, and anniversary present all in one. <laughs> but um, I'm really excited because now I have my own so he and I don't have to battle over one anymore. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. And I love that it's like just a way to truly unplug, not worry about the yeah. to-do list, not worry about what's next, you know, mm-hmm. what needs to happen in two hours, three hours tomorrow, the yeah. week, all that. Yeah. And then it's something he and I have connected even more so over, just another connection point for he and I. Um, there's a lot of 90s country in our household. For those who don't like 90s country, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's a lot of what we've been learning how to play. And it's been a lot of fun because we love, just love that genre of music. And so it's been really cool now that I'm enough, far enough along, I can go through a a decent song. So it's like, we've actually been playing together some lately. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I love it. Well, I'm just so thankful that you wanted to share your story with our listeners and just come to the table, being vulnerable and opening up. And, you know, I think just overcoming some barriers as well, um, in general, Um, I think it's just a really important thing that we're just trying to break down those barriers of, you know, what's considered normal for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's been an interesting journey. Um, Like I said, I think 
for the longest time, I kind of pushed away all those symptoms and didn't know what to do with, um, you know, what to do with those thoughts and feelings. Cause like I said, I didn't, they didn't have value because I just thought, well, there's people that go through way worse things in life. Like this is nothing I should be able to just get over it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I can't tell you how many times I'd wake up in the morning. It's like, you're fine, Abigail, just get over it. And then it's like everything about my body was screaming no. And I wasn't paying attention. Um, yeah. So my, my hope is that with the gutsy truth in our, in our stories and the stories of so many people that we're wanting to share on here is that we can just help even if it's just one person, just say what you, what you're thinking and feeling is okay. And it's normal. And this is how you can start to heal yourself in all ways. Um, and so that's my hope is we can just help change the world one gutsy person at a time. That's right. (laughs) It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Well, thank you again for sharing the story and for being my best friend and going along in this crazy journey that we've been on and, um, just thankful for you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Gutsy Truth. We are so thankful to have you here with us, and we hope you enjoyed today's story. Until next time, we encourage you to follow along with us on Instagram at The Gutsy Truth. Or you can learn more on our website, thegutsytruth.com. And we would really appreciate if you left a review on today's episode on your podcast streaming platform of choice. Um, These reviews not only help our podcast be more well known to the world, but you can share this today's episode to a friend or family member or coworker who you think might need to hear um, an inspiring story for their journey. And until next time, that's the gutsy truth.